0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to True North Talk, hosted by Joseph Staten and myself, Peter Burnett. Joe's got a lot going on right now, busy life, won't be joining us for this episode, but I'm sure he'll be back for the next one. Um, you know, for myself, I'm continuing to be in prayer for him just for endurance through through this busy time and definitely hope that that he will be joining joining me on on this podcast again for the next episode. But in in this episode, this is episode 43 of True North Talk. I'm going to be going over a passage that I read recently in my Bible reading plan, which right now, for those who don't know or maybe I haven't mentioned it in a few episodes, I'm reading through the New Testament and the Psalms and Proverbs this year, which I think is just an incredibly powerful portion of scripture. The New Testament shares the story of Jesus, his death and resurrection. And then really the the early days of the church And really provides a lot of great life lessons And then obviously Psalms and Proverbs are very powerful They provide wisdom, they provide peace and comfort They provide examples of just a cry, even of desperation to God And so I would encourage all of you listening to take some time um, If you're not already doing a Bible plan, I would encourage you to you know, start with the Gospels, with our which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'll be reading from Acts today. Um, and then also, you know, maybe if you want to split it up, you know, I, I think a good way of doing it is maybe New Testament in the morning and then Psalms and Proverbs sometime in the evening, just as a kind of way to bring your day to a close in often a lot of, in, I would say, kind of a peaceful way. But... In today's episode, I'm going to be going over the speech of Stephen to the Sanhedrin and the eventual stoning of him because this message did not sit well with the Sanhedrin. So basically, who, who Stephen was is he was kind of an early an early disciple. He wasn't one of the original 12, but he was one of the disciples who came in after Jesus' um, death, resurrection, and then ascension back into heaven and i'm going to read here quickly from chapter acts chapter 6 verse 8 now stephen a man full of god's grace and power performed great wonders and signs among the people opposition arose however from members of the synagogue of the freedmen as it was called Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia who began to argue with stephen but they could not stand up but they could not stand up against the wisdom the spirit gave him as he spoke and so this shows that, again, the Spirit of God was on Stephen and he said, said some things that really caught some people unawares and just against what they believed in, especially the traditional Jewish beliefs um, of, of Judaism, which were, you know, still and still are waiting for a Messiah to come. But I'm going to start reading, picking up again here in Acts chapter 7. Actually, I'll start with the kind of the end of chapter 6, verse 15. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? And to to say the charges, I'll actually read back in Acts 6 again as well. Um, So, the, the... the, free, the synagogue of the freedmen brought this argument that they have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God, and so they seized him and bring him to the San, Sanhedrin, and they produce false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. So those are the charges that were being, being brought against Stephen and what the Sanhedrin was used to accuse him when they asked, are these charges true? So to this he, Stephen, replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he, Abraham, left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran after the death of his father god sent him to this land where you are now living he gave him no inheritance here not even enough ground to set his foot on but god promised that he and his descendants after him would possess the land even though at that time abraham had no child god spoke to him in this way for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and they will be enslaved and mistreated but i will punish the nation they serve as slaves god said And afterward, they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. So quick, quick pause here. If you haven't listened already, we recently did an episode probably a month or so ago at this point on the story of Abraham and particularly the trust that he needed to have. And in that episode specifically, Joe and I talked about the story of him and his son Isaac and how, you know, this child that was promised in Abraham's old age was now, God was asking Abraham to go and sacrifice this this child. And Abraham somehow, in a way that I can't even imagine having the power to do, was able to go through this situation and was about to perform a sacrifice of his only son, Isaac, when, you know, an angel, an angel of the Lord said, you know, stop what you're doing. So I think there's, there's a lot that we can learn from Abraham's story. And I think the, the character trait characteristic that really stands out to me is just his deep abiding trust. And it it started with what it says here where, after the death of Abraham's father, God sent him to the land where the the Jews were now living at the time when Stephen is speaking. And he wasn't given an inheritance, not even enough ground to set his foot on. But God promised that he and his descendants after him would possess the land. And I think it's also interesting that the trust that Abraham had to have when, when God says this, For 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. Hearing those words, it'd be like, "Well, God, what's the point? Why are you providing this land for me when we're just going to go through all of these trials and and literally even become slaves to to a nation?" And I, you know, this this is referring to the um, the uh, Egyptians who enslaved the Israelites, and then obviously even after that, they spent time wandering in the wilderness. And so the trust that Abraham would have to have, for one, he sees no signs of this. You know, he had, he does not even have a single son, much less having multiple sons or at least grandsons to carry out this, you know, nation of people. Right now, it's, it's him and his wife, uh, Sarah, and that's it when he's given this promise. And so he had the faith and the trust in God to take that step. And kind of a first stopping point here that I just wanted to, to emphasize is, you know, if you feel a calling in your life, and the, the only, only way I can describe it is you really know when you have that calling, and so my encouragement to everybody listening to this episode, if you feel that calling from God, go for it, whether that be... You know something as simple as even just reading your Bible every day. For some, for some people, that's where it needs to start. For others, maybe it's going to church. You know, maybe just every couple of weeks or or every week. Um, for others, maybe it's you know a step further, getting more involved in your church, or maybe maybe for some of some of you out there, it's this step, this major step of maybe dropping what you what you're doing and going all out to serve God. Whatever you're feeling, you know what the Holy Spirit is placing on your heart. Only you can know that. And if you're not feeling anything, I would encourage you to be in prayer with God. Just ask him something simple like, God, what is your what is your calling? What what do you want me to do? God, show me what you want me to do. And also, you know, don't don't expect to literally necessarily hear straight up, you know, God saying to you, go and do this, you know, to hear a voice saying that, but uh, from personal experience, you know, and it's, it's a feeling that I can only describe as just this peace and wisdom and knowing what, what you need to do and even in a sense, how to do it. And so if you have that feeling, I would encourage all of you listening to go after that, like Abraham did. So now, picking back up in verse 9 of Acts chapter 7, because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, the patriarchs being Joseph's brothers, Jacob's sons, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. Then a famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. When Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent our forefathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all. So you see the going from two people, Abraham and Sarah, to 75 now, kind of seeing that exponential growth of God's promise. Then Jacob went down to Egypt where he and our ancestors died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had brought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum sum of money. And so I think quickly from the story of Joseph, again, this is also an episode that we really dove a little bit deeper into, Joe and I, and I think in that one... We kind of touched on this as a main topic. I'm trying to remember because that one was a little bit further back what our main topic in that video was. But what I garner from this, first of all, is this continued trust. And that's going to kind of, I feel like, be a theme of this episode. Uh, I know recently we did an episode called Trusting the Truth in Trials and Tribulations. But I I feel like that's... Something that from this from the Bible sticks out the most to me is just how important having trust in God is, and so that's certainly the case here with Joseph's story. But what I want to highlight a little bit more is kind of the aspect of forgiveness that his his brothers literally sold him as a slave to Egypt, um, but but they come back and Joseph is is willing to forgive them because he knows that God has placed him in a position to provide for his brothers who at the end of the day are still family. And that level of forgiveness is something that only God can give us in life. I mean, we've all been hurt by people, but, and I don't want to minimize any of the ways that any of us have been hurt by people, but I would strongly doubt that any of us have been hurt by people in this sort of way to this level. And so if God can provide the forgiveness and just calmness and gentleness and kindness To have this level of forgiveness Toward toward his brothers who had sold him into slavery How much more can God provide forgiveness for us Towards those who who wrong and hurt us And and even, you know, for, for some of us Who are maybe on the opposite side of us Who know that we wrong somebody And are just hoping for forgiveness Remember that God is a God of redeeming And provides redemption for all of us and so that's that's the takeaway here, I think, from Joseph's snippet here in, in Acts. Picking back up in verse 17. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people, the Jewish people in Egypt, had greatly increased. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed, them, oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. I want to I stop there because as as somebody who's only in, in his early approaching mid-20s, hearing that, you know, he just kind of lived lived through his life and nothing, I don't want to say nothing major happened for him, but, you know, his story here that Stevens highlighting didn't really begin until he was 40 years old. And I know in, in the world that we live in, and I would say even just as human beings, I know it's easy to quickly, to always think, oh, times are so different now, but really... Yeah, things are kind of di- different But history does repeat itself in a sense And a lot of times the cycle just kind of continues But that's another point for another time But hearing that, you know He was 40 years old when he decided to visit his own people Moses, the Israel visiting the Israelites It's almost like whatever his true calling was in life Didn't show itself until he was 40 And so the the quick lesson from this is that patience is so important in life and just because you feel like maybe, you know, maybe you're around the same age as me or maybe even a little bit older um, and you feel like maybe you haven't done what God wants you to do or done enough, in or you know, in quotes, enough. Really all that we do as long as we're serving God is enough in his eyes. But if you have that feeling, my encouragement to you would just be you know, trust in God and, and have patience. I know that's easier said than done, but pray, pray to God for that patience. Just something along the lines of God, help me to see, see that your plan is the, is the purpose that you have for me in your life, or that, that, that you, God have for me in my life is something that, you know, you just sometimes need to wait on. And, Again, I know that's that's definitely easier said than done, but my encouragement to everybody listening would be to trust in God, to provide, you know, just evidence of what he wants you to do in your life and his plans for you in, in his time. And while, while you're waiting for maybe that time to come, you know, it does take some initiative on, on our end as well, obviously, too. It says here when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people. I'm sure, you know, deep down, it was a prompting of the Holy Spirit, but he did have to decide to go and visit his people. And sometimes it's taking that step. You know, sometimes if you feel like you haven't achieved something in life, it's because maybe you haven't taken that leap, that leap of faith. And as we can see here, Moses did do, do that after, you know, he was... And he was he was accomplished too, but I would say he hadn't a true, achieved his true purpose yet. You know, it says here he was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. But he still, he had this prompting one day to go and visit his people and kind of it says, sets, sets off a chain reaction that I'll, I'll continue here. He saw one of, one of them, the, one of the Israelites, being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. N- that's definitely not to say that that is what God is prompting any of us to do. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, "Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, again, a long period of waiting, wondering what God wanted him to do. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God Himself, through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt, at the Red Sea, and for forty years in the wilderness. It's kind of kind of interesting to me those those forty years. Um, I f- I feel like in in faith especially that numbers of numbers are often of significance and. Often those numbers are three, representing the Holy Trinity, seven being God's number and being important in other places, and warnings like the seven deadly sins and things like that, and then even 12, like the 12 apostles or the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, So I I wonder, honestly, what the, I'm not sure what the significance of 40 years here is, but it's interesting to me that when Moses was 40 years old, so it's almost like his life is broken up into thirds. For the first forty years, you know, he's he's brought up in Egypt to a family that's not his own biologically, but he's raised in a way to become basically this this ruler, and you know, second to Pharaoh and, and his his son in Egypt. And then you know, he leaves when he's forty years old because because of what happened with him killing an Egyptian and this accusation from his own people, the Israelites then 40 years pass where he's in the kind of the, the wilderness or in, in Midian, you know, in a, in a place that where he's a foreigner, as it says. And then, you know, he leads the, the Israelites out of Egypt and then they're wandering the wilderness for 40 years. And so it's just, it's just very interesting to me, those those 40 years. And I think, again, it, it, to me, it highlights and at this time lives where I think still lived a little bit longer Because obviously this would have made Moses 120 years old, which very, very few people achieve. I mean, I think 120 is about, I mean, it's because it's a promise that God made that 120 years would be the number of their days. Um, And so I think Moses right about reached that. And so to me, again, it just shows the importance of having patience in God's timing. Um, for, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And that's just a, an ever-present reminder that God has plans for all of us, and those plans are for, for us to prosper and not, not to suffer harm. And it doesn't mean that, that we're never going to have challenges or have even any harm in our lives, but at the end of the day, God provides what, what we need, and ultimately, at the very end of the road, at the end of our lives, if we truly believe in Him— and live, live in faith and, you know, repent of the, the sins that we all commit, one day we will be rewarded for that um, when, we, when we reach heaven. So I think it's just, it's just a beautiful reminder from Moses' story. Picking back up in verse 37 here, this is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and revealed in what their own, reveled in what their own hands had made. But God turned away from them and gave them over to the worship of the sun, moon, and stars. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings? Forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel. You have taken up the tabernacle of Moloch, the star of your god, Riphon, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses, according to the pattern he had seen after receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua, who was the successor to Moses, brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the most high does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all of these things? You stiff-necked people, this is Stephen, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him you who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it wow those are some some pretty powerful and uh, accusa- a- accusatory words from from Stephen there towards the sanhedrin and words that certainly frustrated them did more than ruffle some feathers and before before diving into those a little bit i just want to go back again a little bit more to talk about how you know moses delivered the Israelites from the slavery of the Egyptians, but because they were wandering aimlessly in the wilderness, they couldn't see God's deliverance, and they only saw the present moment of the strife and trouble that they were in. And while it is it is very important to be in the present, it's important also to see, I would say when you look in the past, which I would encourage everyone to be very careful about not looking into the past too much or into the future too much. But when you look into the past, I would encourage each of you to see how God has provided a way for you in the past. And in this case, I feel like the Israelites did that in a wrong way because they were looking back to the past. Although I don't think they were looking at it from the perspective of God provided for us then. I think they were looking for it. I mean, it says in I think Exodus, the second book of the Bible, you know, they were basically like, We'd rather be comfortable in, in slavery in Egypt than, you know, wanting for food and water out here in the wilderness with with nowhere to go. And so I think it's, again, it's very important to always see God's direction in our lives. There, There is a direction, even though it might seem like we're lost without a compass. God is always there to still direct us back to where he wants us to be and what he wants us to do. And, and that shows here, you know, eventually they do get to the promised land, present day Israel, and... Joshua again, who is Moses' Moses' successor, brings back the the tabernacle with with the covenant law, the you know the two tablets of the of the Ten Commandments, and then, you know, you see the the promises being fulfilled with with Israel becoming you know a great nation at this time, and David coming into power as the king taking over for Saul, um, and I think I might I might dive into. Acts 13 a little bit Because that that provides a little bit more Of, of this story as well Kind of in between Both Joshua and David um, but, but before diving into that I just again want to highlight the, the words that, that Stephen said here Calling the Sanhedrin You stiff-necked people Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised You were just like your ancestors You always resist the Holy Spirit And I I think that's an interesting point, too. I feel like people that are not Christians resist the Holy Spirit on on a daily basis for a variety of different reasons. Maybe it's that they don't want to surrender their, you know, kind of control over their lives to the Holy Spirit, to God. Maybe it's just because they've been hurt by... Somebody who was a Christian or who claimed to be a Christian in their past. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons for why people do resist the Holy Spirit, but it really is as simple as just surrendering to God, you know, admitting that all of us have fallen short, believing that the story of Jesus is one that is true, and that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died for our sins so that we can have eternal life and then you know confessing that that Jesus is Lord and declaring that to to everyone that we can and you know that's really as as simple as it gets it's just surrendering that control in your life and no longer resisting the holy spirit and being like god guide guide my thoughts and my actions for for your purposes <clears throat> and so i think if you do that then you put yourself in a position where, you know, you have that hope that God provides, you have, you have that trust in somebody that will get you through the tough times, and then you have, you know, somebody to praise for when things are going well. And, unfortunately for Stephen, and, you know, I believe, aside from, you know, I guess Jesus Christ himself being the first martyr, if if you can call him that, um, which I would, you know, I guess he's the ultimate martyr, Jesus Christ was. But Stephen here being the the first martyr that we hear about in the scripture in these next verses to close out Acts chapter 7. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So obviously a, a somber reminder, but I think a powerful one um, of where where our faith kind of started. Where, where where the Christian faith, especially in terms of you know Christ, people being Christians, is it started from a place of just persecution and rejection and even death because of this faith and this message that is sometimes tough to hear. A lot of times it is tough to hear. For, for this Sanhedrin, they had their traditions, they had their viewpoints, and when Stephen comes comes after them, accusing them you know, of being stiff-necked people and all the other stuff that he says, that cut deep. And I think that's something that is just part of what sometimes maybe we're afraid to talk about is just the stuff... Of Christianity that cuts deep, and that especially in this case goes against traditions um, of of the world or even of a traditional faith like Judaism. And I just I think it's a, a powerful reminder again that we are truly blessed for everyone who's who's listening to this in the United States and in in you know many countries around the world how blessed we are to. Not face this level of persecution, and I think it's a, just a chance to be grateful to God that we have the freedom, in in many respects, to share our beliefs and and the story of Jesus and, and the Christian faith. And yeah, I think it's this is just a powerful story. What what Stephen provides here, it not only it first of all, again, is just kind of that somber reminder of what life. Life and, and then death looked like for for early Christians and the persecution that they faced. But it's also, it's almost like a hall of faith. I believe it's Hebrews eleven, maybe twelve, that talks about a bunch of, of figures in the Old Testament who are just examples of of having faith in God. And I think the the stories that that are outlined here by by Stephen of the life of of Abraham the life of of Joseph even and the life of Moses uh, among others just the example that those provide for us even even to this day and how through each of those each of those stories prepared the way for really the ultimate the ultimate and only savior Jesus Christ and so yeah that's that's it for this episode of True North Talk. If if you've enjoyed this episode, if you found something insightful or powerful, or something that you want to share with with somebody, please please share this podcast. Leave a like, rate it on on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, and I'll I'll close with a, a quick prayer here before signing off. God, I just want to thank you for for this day. Thank you for an opportunity to. Just come forward and and share. Really, you know, some of some of my thoughts, but really, those come from you, God, ultimately. And to just share share from your word today, I pray that something stood out to somebody. Whether it's the trust that was needed by Abraham and Joseph and Moses, or the forgiveness that Joseph had, or the the patience, which kind of lines lines up with trust, Lord, that that Moses had, or If it's that calling, Lord, if somebody is feeling that calling like Abraham did, that they would go after that, that they would pursue that calling, and that this, not my words, Lord, but the message that was provided here would be kind of that spark to to light the fire. And again, just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, Um, and I pray that everybody listening would just find your peace and hope and, and love in, in every day of their lives, and would be able to spread that to others. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you again, everybody, for listening. A little bit of a shorter episode today. solo podcast would probably, would probably be that way if, if it happens again in the future. But thanks again so much for listening. Have an amazing day. This is Peter Burtnett, True North Talk, signing out. God bless.